So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Joellen Whitaker has been married to her husband, Scott, for 28 years. Together, they have one son, Tyler. She has worked as an elementary school secretary for 15 years. She says she feels so blessed to be able to interact each day with kids and desires to give them hope and encouragement and a whole lot of Jesus. She readily admits that she has been blessed with more than she deserves. God is so good, and she loves to share her experiences of what God has done for her and through her. Without further ado, here's Joellen. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks so much for being my guest well, today. Uh, we are fellow church members, so I get the privilege of seeing you each week, how God uses you in various capacities throughout our community. And I'm just so excited to get to share your generous servant's heart with podcast listeners today. Well, thank you. I, I don't know that I feel that generous, but I appreciate the kind words. But uh, I, do, I do love trying to do what I can for others if I have the opportunity. I appreciate that. Now, you're, to tell listeners a little bit about you, your, your full-time job is in the school system, and yes. although it is your job, it is also your ministry. So being yes. surrounded by children, I'm sure, presents its challenges, but also incredible <laughs> blessings. Oh, gosh, yes, <laughs> would, absolutely. Would, would you share with us about this next generation and um, how we can best have an impact, in your opinion? I would love to. Uh, and. If I get emotional, I'm sorry, because I do tend to get emotional when I talk, so I'll do my best not to do that, but, um, you know, I have said this many times, if you'd asked me back, probably 20 years ago, uh, where I would see myself, and I don't mean this as a slap in the face to myself, but I would have as a secretary in a school, um, but I know now why I'm there. Um, God placed me there absolutely to connect me with these kids because I love them so much. Um, I was going to school to be a teacher and I quickly realized that that wasn't my place uh, because I like being like their, their mother hen, their friend, everything a teacher can't really be in a classroom. So right. um, that was not going to work for me. And Yet, I wanted to do something to be with kids. Um, I just see so many uh, children that need love and just need direction. And so, um, when this opportunity came up for me to take this position, um, man, I just, I jumped on it. And it has just blessed me so many ways, in so many ways. Um, you know, Scott and I have always had the opportunity to work uh, with kids in in like the church settings and and just different things, and it's really helped with me being able to work at school now because um, I have built so many relationships with so many kids that then I have um, been able to you know cross over and have them in church in different areas too. So I have that trust relationship with them, and and that's really helped in so many situations, and. You know, the homes are just so broken anymore. I hate to say that, but they are. And when they come to school, um, that's sometimes the, the place they feel the safest. I can't tell you how many times you hear children say, you know, um, I, I love coming to school because I, I know I'm safe here. Um, I know I'm going to get fed here. Just a lot of different things. And so, you know, when you hear that and uh, you can you can add to that um safe feeling for them or that safeness for them or, or be able to give them, you know, some sort of um, gift outside of just, you know, like a, um, if you can just give them a hug or just a reassurance that, that somebody cares for them or something like that. It's just probably one of the best feelings you can get. So, um, you know, I think, 
I think about that and I think why God put me there because um, that's, that's just been probably one of the biggest blessings I've had in my life, honestly. You know, I, I'm trying to remember back to the article that I actually read that said this, but I think we as, I mean, my, I think about my children, my children sometimes honestly dread going to school because they, yes. they do have a safe environment. They are fed, they are comfortable. But then it said it was like after a, a break, like a Christmas break or a summer vacation break that they said that don't ask me or ask all the children if we had a good time or what we got or where we went or what our best, because we really, we didn't go anywhere. We mm-hmm. didn't watch any TV. We didn't get any new toys. We didn't go out to a restaurant. And I'm even reminded, like, for our school, they go on field trips. And one of the field trips is to go to the movie theater. Right. And for my children, they're like, just going to the movies. But there are some kids that have never even been to a theater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I think it just is such a, I don't know, just a reminder that, that and, and such, I guess, speaks to how much you get to have an impact on these children that, that don't get to do these things that we otherwise think are normal. Right. Exactly. You know, uh at school, it's it's really nice because we have such a um, a close knit uh, group of teachers and staff at our school that's that works well together, and, and uh, it's so neat to see the the kids' faces. Like uh, I can remember back um, here a few years ago, we had a student that lost. Um, it was uh, there was two students, but one of them had moved on to the middle school. But uh, the one we still had at our school had lost uh, their only parent that was still living. That they the only one that they knew, and um, we uh, of course you know we did you know we did things for them and all. But one of the things we did for for that child was got them some movie passes and enough for her and her sibling, and then of course the ones that was going to be their caretakers from then on. And you would have just thought we got them tickets to like the best rock concert or the best ball game ever mm-hmm. because they had never been. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, even though they had lost their parent and they were grieving and everything, that just gave them so much joy because, you know, something like that was just so unheard of for them. And so that was something that, that they had to look forward to. So, uh, you know, you just don't think we just take so much for granted. And um, there's just so much. Um, in our community so many kids that that are um, you know that that just need us need Jesus and uh, when we have that opportunity no matter what it might be I mean I just I think we need to take that opportunity and just go with it just always you know listen to the Holy Spirit don't try to run away from it just just go with it and you know you may not ever see the blessing but oh my word it's it's just so you know worth seeing a smile on the, their face even if you don't don't know the the rewards down the road or whatever because if you can just see the the smile on their face sometimes that's all all the reward it takes you know yeah you know I just was thinking you know a lot of times people say that they spend the majority of their days at work more mm-hmm. than more so than at home and I think that's the same could be said almost of children that they're they're spending more time actually at school and under your influence than they are even at home. And, and then I think back to all the, the teachers that I have had growing up that I'll never forget their kindness and, and their impact on my life. And yes. how, how cool it is that, I mean, how many students go to your school? Well, uh, preschool, we have a, a preschool up to fourth grade and we have right around 700 kids. Yeah. So that's 700 kids that exactly. you get to have a touch, <laughs> yeah. which is so cool to think yeah. about. I know, I know, and I love it. I love. It. There's days I get frustrated, like everybody else, you know. But yeah, uh, but we just, like I said, we have such a good group of uh, staff, and then um, everybody's so uh, just so caring, and it just it just makes it so easy, kids, and and just do what we can for them. So it just you know, and and when you like I said, you it's not even about the you know um, necessarily giving them like. Um, material things or anything like that it's just giving them a hug or telling them that you're proud of them or um you know saying that they uh you're glad to see them that day just just things like that it just it means the world to them it really does yeah. so the words of affirmation exactly exactly because yeah. that's the only affirmation they get yeah. uh, growing up honestly well so outside of school you are also involved in something called cowboy church 
Yes. Can you tell us about this ministry and how you've seen God move through it? Oh, I'd love to. So Cowboy Church was um, something my brother actually started, Jeff Thurman. And, um, oh, man, it's just, all I'm going to say is if uh, anybody that's listening has the opportunity to ever come, um, please do. Um, It's the second Saturday every month at Suitsis Farm. And it started out kind of small, and it's just grown to just, Oh, I mean, it's just amazing to see what's happened. We had over 90 people saved last year. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's not a typical service. Uh, you just come in your jeans or whatever. We always have a meal before the service. But um, what I love about Cowboy Church, we have uh, a group of men that come from, <clears throat> from, um, I guess it's, uh, I want to, is it the Oasis? I want to, I think uh-huh. it's the Oasis group. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, it's just, I don't know when you worship with a group that has already broken and lost everything and that they're just, they're just crawling back to the cross. It absolutely will bring you to your knees. And, um, what I love about it is, you just go in, you don't care what anyone thinks, no one's watching you, and you can just praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, Braxton King is the the, the pastor there. Um, it's just the, the minute you walk in, you feel God's presence. And um, it just overflows. I, I can't even begin to tell you what a blessing it is. Um, you know, it's just... Um, grown men on their knees just crying out to Jesus for help um women crying out it's just like I said it's just an amazing testimony to what Christ can do through um you know his his love for us and if we'll just call upon his name what he what he will do for us um I liked what Braxton said out there the other night he said um I want to get this right but he said you know, he said he looked around and he could just see chains laying all over the ground. And I thought, oh, man, you know, why Why don't we just look at Because, I mean, I've got my own chains, yeah. you know. And when we turn it over to God, yes, our chains fall and break. And I, I was just thinking about that. I thought, you know, when I look out, I should just see chains just laying everywhere on the ground. I thought, well, what an awesome thing to think of. Yeah. But instead, we look at everybody still holding their chains, you mm. know? Yeah, living in bondage still. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm living in bondage too, but yet, I'm, you know, I, it's so much easier to judge and say, oh, I dropped my chains, but you're still holding yours, you know. And that's one thing I like about Cowboy Church is because you don't feel like anyone's judging. You're just there to worship and you know, nobody's perfect and, and we're just all trying to, to, to learn and to, you know, uh, get closer to God, but we're doing it one step at a time. Um, just, you know, through the, through the love of Christ. And, uh, it's just been a, a tremendous blessing. I think this is going on the ninth year, seven. No, I'm sorry. It's the seventh year. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, if you have the opportunity, it's a wonderful ministry. So I would mm-hmm. encourage anybody to come. So it's called, it's called Cowboy Church, but you don't have to be a cowboy yeah. to attend, right? No. Jeff's the only one that thinks he's a cowboy. <laughs> so. but, it's, but, you know, I think the idea, I mean, the reason it started, correct me if I'm wrong, is because so many people aren't comfortable yet going through the formal church doors, you know, that, that right. they, you know, it was the intent is to create an environment because it's held in a barn, right? Yes, on a farm and so to give people Mm -hmm. a more relaxed atmosphere to to worship and ease into the typical church am I saying that right you think yes exactly yes you are Uh, and that's why you know like I said you can just come in your jeans in the summer you come in your shorts and your flip-flops and and it's fine you know you're just coming you're not coming to to make a statement about what we're wearing or anything like that it's just literally coming to worship Jesus and like I said these men and women are, so, they're just so hungry for the word. And because so many of them are new to uh, having a relationship to God. And so they are just so hungry for the word. And it's just, you know, it's, there's nothing I don't think any more powerful than, than seeing God's people on their knees. Yeah. And um, like I said, I get, I get emotional and I don't mean to do that, but um, 
when you see men on their knees, the leaders of your, you know, that's supposed to be the leaders of your home, your country, golly, there's just nothing more powerful than that. It's just an amazing sight. It really is. So, um, you know, I just, I, like I said, I encourage anybody if they get a chance to, to come out there. It's a great ministry. It really is. Yeah. Well, you have also uh, recently started a Bible study group for women called the wildflowers, <laughs> the wildflowers. <laughs> so I love that name uh, for uh, lots of reasons. Cause who doesn't like flowers? Number one, but secondly, the idea of, of spreading like wildflowers, yes. but um, so what inspired you to create this group and how would you encourage others to find some community of their own? Okay. Well, the wildflowers, uh, we got started with that. I, I I have a lot of uh, girls that are like my son's age. Um, he's 24 and uh, that I'm still really close to. And we, a couple of them were over here in our subdivision walk one day. And I said something about um, Sunday school. And they said, you know, there's just not any, we don't really have a Sunday school at church that we're involved in. There's not a Bible study because um, they're either married, like, like a young married class or you know, it's the college class, so we're kind of in between, and and this, that, and other, and I said, well, you all, you don't need to, you know, this isn't the time that you need to step away from, from church, so this is the time you all need to really be digging in and really be in church, so I said, we've got to do something, and I said, what would, would you all come if I started a Bible study, and they were like, yes, and I said, what about if we did it outside of church, though, and did it here in my home, and made it a little more relaxed and that way we could even ask people that didn't come to our church and they said absolutely so from that it just went I mean we just uh I announced it one Sunday at church and we started it like two weeks later and the first week I think I had 18 and so we started out I think it was in April and we were originally just going to go through or, I'm sorry through uh, the summer because we were just going to do it through the months that the this, this particular group of girls were like um, here in town because some of them were going to be starting new jobs out of town in the fall. Um, and then a couple of them were going back to college and just different things. And so we went through the summer and had just such a good time. We, there was, uh, you know, we, we studied out of some books and then we did some outreach, which uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute because um, that just uh, blessed so many people's hearts. And then um, it came around, oh, let's see, August, and we were talking about wh what we were going to do. And they said, can we continue on? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my word, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I was, I thought we were going to, you know, but if y'all want to keep it going, absolutely. And um, so we went ahead and carried it through. We did stop in uh, December and we're going to start back up in March just because through the holidays, we decided to just kind of take a break uh, because there were so many that were going to be doing so many things and this, that, and the other. So I said, let's just take a break. Let me get a new book and we're going to start back fresh in March. So uh, we're on a, a break for the next month or so and then we're going to start back uh, the first of March and I'm looking so forward to it I've had several of the girls to text me and say oh I'm so ready for wildflowers to start back and so um you know I I'm so thankful for that because um I just want to I just want to be obedient and do what uh, the Holy Spirit tells me to do and and so you know I, I didn't want to um to necessarily go longer than I I should have but yet I didn't know if I if it was just meant for that that period in time, you know, right. but then it was reinforced when they were telling me, Oh, let's continue on. So, but yeah, I, I'm definitely going to continue on as long as they want to. So during the time though, that we had, it, we, we had some wonderful Bible studies and uh, my sister-in-law BJ Thurman helps me. And uh, BJ just, she's just been such a wonderful help to me. She's got a, uh, she's got a testimony and, and, um, she has, she has, uh, BJ was raised differently than I, but she's got a wonderful testimony. So she and I can um, kind of um, compliment each other on the, the backgrounds of, you know, talking to girls and stuff, which has, has been good. And then um, we were able to uh, go out one night and visit elderly people and we took them cookies and stuff. And that just blessed these, these elderly people, um, I can't tell you how many people 
stop me because it was here in my neighborhood. We, we, um, we were going to go out and about, but I said, you know, I've got so many here in my neighborhood that just have no visitors or anything like that. So I said, let's just do that. And so because of that, they knew that they, they knew they were. So, um, these people would send me, had sent me cards and said, you just don't know what a blessing that was that night. We don't, you know, we don't ever have company. The girls came in and prayed with us. And, and uh, I think one group sang a song with them and just, you know, it just was just so, you know, sweet of them. And um, they, they went and visited my in-laws. They just lived down the street from me and took a picture with them. Yeah. It's just so, I don't know. These, these girls have such a passion for Jesus and that's why I say that time of your life, I think, can be so easy to get distracted from God. And if you're not in Bible study, in a community, you know, in church, it, it, it can just be a time that they really get a hold of you if you're not careful and uh, stray you away. And so that's that was one reason that I had such a heavy heart about doing this Bible study is because I, I just want everyone um, to stay connected because like I said I think when you um, graduate from college and and you're kind of in between that time and and your first job it, it's just that you're in a whole new time of your life um, and it's just so easy to get distracted by the worldly things mm-hmm. and the fleshly things and so that's also one of the most important times to stay really grounded in Christ and so that was probably the biggest reason, I guess, that I had such a uh, burden to start this Bible study. And if, you know, if that helped just one of the girls, then it was definitely worth it. So mm-hmm. my prayer is when we start back is that, you know, I don't know if all the same girls will come back, but I know that this has spread the, you know, the Bible study. We've talked about it and a lot of new people have talked to me about it, about coming and ask if they could come. So you know, the group that I had may be the ones that are going to go out now and start their own Bible studies or be the wildflower to um, to somebody else. So I may have a whole new group of girls. I don't know. Yeah. But I just know that it's it's supposed to continue. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to do as long as the Lord wants me to continue it. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my my daughter is seven. And, you know, although I, I hope and I pray that we have a close relationship, but I also hope and I pray that there's a mentor like you that when she reaches that age, if we're in a different community or even in the same community, that somebody would reach out to her, you know, in, mm-hmm. in that season of her life too. And then I'm was just thinking about you all going door to door in your neighborhood. And, you know, the Bible says, love your neighbor. <laughs> and exactly. Yourself. And you were doing that in such a literal way. And I think yeah. uh, my, my brothers are in both in politics and I was having to go door to door or I guess I got to go door to door in my neighborhoods. And I was almost ashamed that I hadn't met more of the people in my neighborhood, that it took, <laughs> it, that it took that to get me to, to branch out and meet my neighbors. And so it was sort of a, a new personal challenge to me just to, you know, there's people, <laughs> there's people to the left and to the right and across the street that, um, that need Jesus's love too, just as much as across the world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right here in our front, as you say, in our front door. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I wanted to talk about your husband, Scott, too. He he okay. is like you. He's constantly uh, serving. Every week he serves as like stage prep and technology to our pastor. And you and Scott have been married for 28 years. And yes. <laughs> I think it is beautiful to watch the two of you serve together on such a consistent basis. So I just wanted to talk about marriage, if that's okay, and, and what absolutely what what you think <laughs> makes a successful marriage. Um, in- well, Scott and I were—I um, have to tell you this—we were high school sweethearts. So uh, we uh, started dating in high school when I was a junior and he was a senior. So we have been together for a long time. But um, you know, it's kind of funny because we do have a lot of a lot of kids that come in and um, in and out of our lives. Um, We've had, um, um, you know, we only have Tyler, our son, and I'll talk mm-hmm. about Tyler here in a minute, but um, we have had so many, um, we've had, I don't, you know, a lot of people know this, but then a lot don't. We've had like two college uh, boys that's lived with us uh, in the past 
that didn't have a place to live. Um, Tyler's friends, I mean, some of them, well, we, we actually, we've had three college boys that's lived with us. I forgot one of Tyler's friends lived with us for a while. So we've just had a lot of kids in and out of our house. And um, Scott has the same love and passion for God. He has the same love and passion for compassion for um, kids um, as I do. And so I think God knew what he was doing when he put mm-hmm. us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really did. And I think about that. I think, you know, when he wrote my story and he wrote God's story, he knew then what he was doing because um, he brought us together. Put two two people uh, together that it were any more compatible probably than me and Scott. But he also couldn't have put two people together that were any more stubborn than me and Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, we're not a perfect couple. Um, we definitely have our, you know, have our ups and downs like everybody else, but yet at the end of the day, we both have such a strong, uh, heart for just trying to do what we can for others. If we have the capability to do that. Um, I look at Scott sometimes and I think, um, how lucky I am because he does so much for others that I don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll have to tell you this. This just happened last night. Um, we were with some friends um, coming out of a local restaurant last night. And it got down to single digits here last night. And um, we were all standing in like the breezeway there before we come out of the restaurant. And there was a young man sitting out on the ground by the um, the railing as you walk into this restaurant. And um, he was sitting on a backpack and he just had a sweatshirt on and a hood over his head. And we were standing there talking and I kept kind of looking out there at him. And I, I looked at Scott and I said, why is he sitting out there? And my first thought was, okay, he's sitting out there waiting on somebody to come out. And then I thought, wait, no, why would he be out there? It's freezing outside, yeah. you know, freezing outside. Yeah. And so I thought, no, that's something, he's he's homeless or something. And so we walked outside and Scott said, buddy, what are you doing? He said, I don't have anywhere to go. He said, I'm homeless. And um, so anyway, uh, long story short, we ended up getting up to um, the warming center, which is up by Big Lots. Yeah. Scott. And Tyler uh, took him up there. Uh, I rode with another friend, and they brought me home. Um, but, you know, um, Scott and Tyler, I ministered to him on the way up there. He had just lost his mother. He's from Cincinnati. And he's ended up down here. He said he just couldn't stay up there. I wasn't a whole lot older than my son. Yeah. And, you know, just, just little things. And, you know, a lot of times... Um, I think people are real critical to, um, and I hate to say that, but I think they're critical when you try to help people. They say, oh, well, they're just, um, you know, trying to trying to get money or whatever. Well, the thing about it is, is, okay, maybe they are. But I feel like that we're called to help people. I think that's one of our, um, you know, things that God has called us to do. So if we do it with a heart that, that, you know, God has given us to, uh, to use and the, the compassion, um, with what, what he's given us to commanded us to do, I feel like, and then somebody else that goes out and abuses it, that's not on us. We're doing what we've been called to right. do. And then, um, you know, we can't, we can't help what they might do with, you know, what we've done for them. But, um, you know, like I said, I'll just sit there and I watched him minister to this boy and, uh, you know, if we had to, I guess we'd have brought him home with us because I wasn't leaving out mm-hmm. the cold. And I know Scott wasn't. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just humbling to see your husband do things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and um, take, taking the lead and, you know, I think just as husbands to be the leaders of your home and spiritual leaders. And Scott's doing that um, for your home. Yes. Yes, yes. And then to see Tyler there, too, that just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that just makes you smile because uh, he's learning it, too. So, yeah. um, and I want that for him. He's getting ready to get married in October, and I want to see him being the same kind of 
you know, strong uh, leader for his wife. So uh, it's just, it was just a, you know, a a good feeling to sit there and watch your son and your husband doing that. So, well, well, speaking of Tyler, um, Tyler Tyler is um, (laughs) a very talented videographer. um, And you just mentioned he's engaged to be married now, but at the age of four, he almost died. So would you tell us your story and what this experience um, has made you realize? Uh, Yes, absolutely. So when Tyler was four, um, he got what they call, um, it's called hemolytic uremic syndrome. But you get that from E. coli. Um, We had gone to eat one night. And so this whole span was like a two, it was a two week span before we actually really knew what Tyler had. Um, he'd gone to eat one night and basically he had um, undercooked meat. But the symptoms started, um, the first symptom did not start till a week after we ate. Hmm. The second part of the um, E. coli then um, that moved into the HUS, which is the hemolytic uremic syndrome, um, was two weeks in, or well, two weeks out of when he actually ate the meat. So by that time, he had already gone through um, quite a bit of symptoms, and they were trying to figure out what he had. Um, They thought he had um, a parasite, so they were treating him for that. But with the HUS, by the time it reaches that stage, the coli is out of your system, and basically the it's crossed over into your bloodstream. So it's the the E. coli is out of your system. So. Um, it's not detectable, so it's moved into this net, this other stage, and that's where your kidneys can shut down. So by the time we got Tyler to the hospital, knowing two weeks later to the day, um, he, the reason we knew that it had gotten more serious because, well, I should back up because most people they told us have probably had E. coli oh. because. Uh, as an adult or, you know, as a healthy person, we've probably had it and we're able to just, you know, be all right with it, pass them, you know, pass it through and no problems. But if you're under um, age six or I think it was over age, um, the elderly, I'm not sure exactly what age, um, your bodies are more susceptible to not fight it off. So therefore it can go into this HUS. So Tyler being four um, and for whatever reason, his body could not fight it off. So uh, that's what happened. It went into HUS. So anyway, uh, this particular night, he had just took a bath and I picked him up out of the bath and handed him to Scott. I was getting ready to, to uh, dry him off. And he had a seizure and his eyes just rolled back in his head. Well, we knew something was terribly wrong. So we called the doctor and he said, I'll meet you at the hospital right now. So we got to the hospital before he did and they were actually waiting on us. And they did a round of uh, blood work and um, they came back and they said, let us do another round of blood work. And they came back and they said, we're going to have to send them to UK. And that's when they told told us what he had. Well, um, I had no idea what that meant. And they said his kidneys are shutting down. He's going to have to be put on dialysis. Um, When they told us that, I, I, I didn't know what to think. I think I just went into shock. I think we all did. Um. And so they called, uh, they were calling for the helicopter to come in. Um, so we were sitting there waiting for the helicopter. And then they called back and they said, we're going to have to uh, board the flight because of the weather. So they ended up taking Tyler by ambulance. Well, it was so critical that they let me ride in the ambulance. And I knew when they did that, that it was serious. And so the doctor here actually rode with me too. Um, so it was he and I. And then the two ambulance drivers. So uh, as soon as we got up there, they took Tyler straight back and did a surgery to put a tube in for his dialysis. And um, the first tube turned, so they couldn't turn, they couldn't start the dialysis. So they had to do a second tube. And so he actually didn't get started on dialysis till like uh, probably about 24 hours after we actually got up there. But when we got up there, they told us, they said, now, if he does survive, he will probably, he'll probably be on this from now on. Mm-hmm. And they told us you would have, that we would have to learn how to, to do the, you know, 
help him with the dialysis because he had peritoneal dialysis, which is a different type of dialysis. And um, they were telling us the different things that, you know, could be associated with this. But they told us they thought that they could, you know, that, that he would, in their, in their words, be all right, that there would just probably just still be some issues, but that they thought he would be okay. Well, um, his first few days, he, um, he was, I mean, he was Tyler. I mean, he was sick, but he was Tyler, but, you know, he had a lot of issues. He had like the, his, uh, blood work was everywhere. So like the blood levels. So like, uh, his blood pressure would go up and then they'd give him medicine and then it would drop too low. So, you know, there was just a lot of different issues. Uh, but the worst days was there was one day that he, he laid in a, like a semi comatose state and did not know anybody. He didn't know anything or anybody and he didn't say a word. And that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day he had a really bad seizure and that was a really hard day. Well, the next day after that was on a Sunday. And um, that was before we had Facebook or anything like that. But um, I remember our church. And at that time, it was Bill Adcock. Mm-hmm. He was still there. I don't know if you remember Bill. I do. Yep. And um, so anyway, um, our church and then about probably well i know i can remember probably about 15 or 16 other churches just here locally but like i said that was before we had like facebook and all that but we still had you could use the internet but it was it was you know kind of limited but i i I know he was on like a prayer chain i remember i think it was like in germany or somewhere like that and then there was just a lot of different churches um that had put him on their prayer chain and so anyway bill adcock had a specific prayer for him at eleven thirty on that sunday morning and i'll never forget this um because you know they were they were so adamant that tyler's kidneys would probably never function right again and um it was uh, just me and tyler in the room together that day scott had just stepped out um to get something I think just out in the hallway, he wasn't far, but he was just out in the hallway and my mom and dad and his mom and dad were, were there. They stayed with us this, the whole time. And, um, anyway, um, Tyler, they had put pull-ups on him just in case, you know, he, he was able to go to the bathroom and I remember him standing up and he said, mommy, I got a pee. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, okay. You know, not thinking he would. And uh, I was holding him, and I, and, and, uh, I thought, oh, I feel so a little warm down there. And so he peed, and, and it was like, oh, my word. So I hollered to the nurse, and um, she came running in there, and she said, oh, my word, you've just had a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I knew we had because that was never heard of. That was just mm-hmm. so unheard of with what he had. Uh, most kids that had had this particular thing either um, – did not make it. Um, thank goodness this is something that they can they can treat better now. But most children around that time did not make it. Um, they had uh, some of them lost their sight. I remember there was one that was up there not long before Tyler that had lost their sight. Uh, one of them had multiple complications, just a lot of different things going on. But she went and called the doctor, his doctor, and he was um, a very uh, godly man and. I mean, when he came to that hospital, you could hear him all the way down the hall singing, praising God. You know, he was the same way he said, this is unheard of. This is unheard of. And he was just so thankful. And from there on, we still had some rough days now. It wasn't easy. Yet, but, you know, we knew God was in control. And from then on, um, you know, was so thankful. During the hardest night I believe I had up there, I need to tell you this, though. I was praying and, um, you know, I knew that Tyler was really sick and I knew he was serious, um, but I still had, I'd prayed and prayed and prayed. And I felt, honestly felt uh, a peace about it because I felt like God was going to want to take care of Tyler. And I remember praying one night and I said, Lord, just give me a scripture to give me some peace. And I got the Bible out and I just literally turned to Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. And it's worry about nothing, pray about everything. If you can do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more than the human mind can understand. And, um, well, and I think I left part of that out. Worry about nothing, pray about everything. 
thank God for all he has done. And if you can do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more than the human mind can understand. And I literally would lean upon that scripture every day from then on. And I do from now on too. I just, that's, that's a scripture I try to, to uh, pray every morning, but uh, I just felt like that was his, um, his way of telling me that he was going to take care of Tyler. And, um, you know, for a long time, when Tyler was little, I would say, um, this Tyler's got such a powerful testimony and, um, and he does, he does. But I thought it was for Tyler to, to use, um, and tell and share, Mm -hmm. but I learned real quick. It was for me to use and tell and share because Tyler was little. He doesn't remember a lot of that, but I do. And, um, I know for a fact that God saved Tyler. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact. And I, I feel like the day that all those people were praying for him at 1130 is when the time turned around. I really do. And I have no doubt about it. I think that God heard all those prayers that day. And uh, I I feel like he took care of Tyler. I feel like he saved Tyler. And I've always said, I feel like, uh, you know, that God gave me Tyler twice. The first time when I had him and then the second time when he saved him. And um, for that, I'll always give him glory and, and honor and praise for that because it could have turned out so differently. And and if it had, of, I know that Tyler would have been okay too. But I'm so thankful that I've still got him here with me. So thankful. Yeah. And I think it's just beautiful to think about the power of prayer and that it really, mm-hmm. it, it really does work. Um, and that, that's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you have also said that days are hard, but you can't imagine how much harder that they would be without God. What are some of your daily practices that, that keep your eyes fixated on Jesus? Well, I think you definitely need to, um, I think, keep yourself around people that um, are encouraging Um I think, you know, surround yourself with passionate people uh, and compassionate people. Um, pray. Definitely got to pray. Yeah. <laughs> and get in the word. Um, you know, you've got to, I think, starting your day out in prayer. Uh, we joke about this in Wildflowers. I said, you know, if I wait till the end of the night, I mean, I talk to God all throughout the day. But then, you know, we talk about like in, of a night, you know, sometimes you lay down to pray and, and you're asleep before you know it. Um, I don't think people realize you can talk to God throughout the day. Yeah. Just have normal conversation with them and um if you if you're if you're having a hard time you know there's times at work something might just be i might be on the computer and they might be thinking i'm working and i'm actually sitting there praying to god you know give me strength for this dear lord or keep me from saying this or help me to do the right thing um you know there's times that um that a parent may come in and and um you know maybe maybe i feel like i've not been friendly or something and i just pray oh dear lord just you know let me know if i if i was if i was snippy or whatever and and i pray that they didn't think that or what you know just little things you because you can talk to him throughout the day um i listen to music a lot and honestly music really ministers to me um a lot of times when i'm having a bad day that's one of the things i do is i, I put in music and listen to it i can i can listen to uh, music and it just will encourage me so much it'll build me up um when I listen to I was listening to it last night the great I mm-hmm. am oh my word that just oh it just builds me up and and I feel so strong when I listen to it because you know I think there is no power that can stand against the great I am I, I mean you know and he's going to do what he can for me right and I think about that. If his eyes on the sparrow, you know it's going to be on me, <laughs> little old me. <laughs> it's just like, you know, why do I have to? Why do I let things get me down? Um, so let me be the encourager for the ones that don't have the great I am in their life, yeah. and try to try to be that encourager to them. I'm I'm just interested as I as we're hearing your story, and it's it's obvious how how much faith you have and it's been built over the test of time, you know, the experiences that you've had to go through, but I'm, and then I'm, I'm just thinking about where did your initial faith come from or your belief in the Lord? I mean, were you raised in a godly home modeled by your parents? And then also if you'll, and then an additional question, I guess, is 
where do you think the first root of you caring for this younger generation came from? Because it's sprinkled throughout your entire life between the school, your work at the school and the wildflowers and, you know, having people in your home so much. So I guess the question is twofold, um, (laughs) if you don't care to share with us. Yeah, well, uh, I was absolutely raised in a very, uh, you know, in a Christian home, uh, and I was very fortunate. My mom and dad, my grandparents, um, so, you know, that's the only uh, only thing I knew. Um, but I'm so thankful for that. And um, I really can't think of a time when I wasn't in church or I wasn't um, involved, but you know, a lot of that was still just going through the motions, Rachel. It's just like, um, I, you know, I had that relationship. I was real young when I, when I accepted Christ into my heart. Um, and I, I really wasn't a bad kid. I was, you know, I, I think I've always had a, had that kind of, um, I don't know, that soft heart, maybe that's it. But I don't think I really started having that full connection um, with the Lord until probably um, it was probably like in my late twenties, honestly. Um, it was just some experiences that happened. Uh, one of them would be when our church split. Um, and I hate to say that, but that was when one of the things that, that happened that opened my eyes up and um it really, um, really made me realize that I wasn't doing what I was called to do. And, um, you know, I was relying on everybody else to do the things Mm -hmm. that, um, that I thought needed to be done. And I thought, you know, it's not everybody else's place. It's my place. Um, the Lord put me here for a reason too. And so therefore, um, you know, I thought, well, I'm not doing my part. And it was probably during that, um, that time that I think I really developed my relationship with Christ. And, uh, then from then it's, it's kind of from that point is when it's, uh, you know, a lot of things has happened and different things has happened that it's just strengthened it, honestly. Um, and probably then because of that, that's when I think I've developed all this, um, I don't know this, this, uh, love for these kids and, and just wanting to help and, and just do what I can for them, honestly. Um, I, you know, I've tried to think back to it. I, I was a typical teenager. I mean, um, you know, and I had a lot of friends, different things. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, at times like when I, I don't know, I just, I think after I had Tyler, um, it just, a lot of that changed. And, and I have to brag on Tyler with this too. Uh, and I neglected to say this a minute ago, but he has always been so good. You know, I say he shared so much because he shared his parents with so many people yeah. and he shared everything. But, you know, I just think that was part of God's plan because um, he has just been, um, he, <laughs> I won't, you know, I don't want to embarrass him, but he never wanted uh, brothers or sisters. Yeah. And but he, he's one of the best, um, you know, kids to me, I shouldn't say that, but you know, he is my child, but he's just always been one of the best kids to share and just different things. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that's not how it is when it's an only child. So, um, I think, you know, I think he had such a giving heart because he has always, you know, we've opened our home up to so many different people. And, um, I, you know, I think that's, um, that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, when my life changed, like I said, it, in my twenties, um, it, it's just kind of um, shaped our whole family, mine and his and Scott's whole, our whole family, honestly. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know that, um, that there's just uh, any one thing that's really shaped or molded it, mm-hmm. but it's just, I think that was around the time that I started noticing yeah. uh, a change in myself. Yeah. It, I was, for whatever reason, I was just thinking about stepping up to serve. You know, that was, yeah. that was sort of yeah. the inspiration or the epiphany to start to step up and, and serve. And you've con- right. continued to do that. And yes. so as we close, I always end with this one question for my guests. So I'd like to ask you the same. Who has okay. been the most extraordinary giver in your life? Mm. Oh, and I knew you were probably going to ask me that. 
Um, it's hard. I know it's a hard. Time. It is hard. It is hard. Um, oh man. Um, my mom. Yeah, my mom. Um, mm. Oh goodness, she gives every day. Um, I've never known anyone quite like her. Um, she would say she's not, (laughs) but she is. My dad had a stroke nine years ago and, um, she takes care of him every day and does it without any, um, I mean, she does it because she loves him, but she, she, um, she just has, um, so much love um, for him but she's you know I've heard her say so many times um, look at what God did for us I'm not doing anything Joe Mm. look at what God did for us look at what he sent he sent Christ Mm -hmm. I'm doing nothing (laughs) and she she truly feels that way and um, when I look at her I think oh I just want to be strong like her and be able to have that that heart like she has Mm -hmm. Um, my mom has literally, when I think back, has probably took care of somebody almost her whole life and she never complains. She, she does it because she wants to, because she loves them, because she loves the Lord. She, she just has, uh, such a giving heart and, um, through it all, she always is, she always gives, uh, praise and glory and honor to God, no matter what. Um, where we would be, or I would be the type that would get down maybe and, and, um, get negative or whatever. She doesn't do that. She always looks to the positive and, uh, you know, there's times that it's hard, it's hard for them. And, uh, she'll say, God always takes care of us. He always sees us through. And I know it's because they're so obedient to him. Yeah. And uh, when I think about that, I think I I just want to be the same one. Well, so. that is a, a beautiful perspective. And then as I think about you, I, I can see that you're walking in her footsteps for sure. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, Joellen, thank you so much for being my guest today. You, you are the real deal. You're faithfully living out God's love to those around you on a daily basis. And I just appreciate you and your impact you're having in our community and, um, and now to all the listeners as well. So God bless you, Joelle. And thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us his love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in him and that we share his love with others. The hope of the love offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.